Blog Talk Radio. With God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer, peace be upon you all. Good evening. This is New Mind Development Project. I'm your host, John Nasheed, on this Blog Talk Radio program, broadcasting from the beautiful Nourishell, New York, every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, we welcome you here, and for the last two weeks we have been talking on the Quran and also Surah Al-Fatiha. Uh, today I believe we're going to pay a little more attention to Surah Al-Fatiha and uh, just a discussion. Uh, hopefully for those who don't know that may be listening and those who are Muslim and Maybe, you know, how sometimes we just get a little slack in our studies and just to kind of refresh us and kind of put us back uh, on the path to keeping up with uh, religion, our deen, our our way of life. And Surah Al-Fatiha is very, very important. You know, just a little refreshes, a little discussion to keep things going. And uh, I also wanted to mention that I have a website is nm-dp.com that's New Mind Development Project also Facebook uh, slash John Nasheed and the radio program wvox.com or wvox1460 AM radio we come on every Saturday morning at 10 AM 10 to 11 for those on the computer you can go to wvox.com and uh, pick us up. It's a focus on issues of concern. And uh, we have a call-in number there. You can call in, you have any comments, uh, whatever the case. And uh, quite naturally, we we welcome you. <clears throat> so once again, with, with God's name, you know, we're thankful that we have an opportunity to be on Blog Talk Radio to convey some of the things that we have learned over the years. And it's not really a teaching. It's... Uh, more of a discussion to keep these things current in our mind. It's basic basic information, uh, but nonetheless, sometimes we get away from our basics, and it's always good to come back. You know, our leader, or my leader, I should say, is Imam Orthi Muhammad. I should say my leader, and my teacher is Imam Orthi Muhammad, and uh, he has instructed us with a very clear understanding of you know, what the Quran is bringing to us, you know, and uh, we thank God for him. And there's many, many, many Muslim scholars throughout the world, and uh, the beauty of it is when we all sit down and share information. That's what's important. There's no big eyes or little U's or things of that nature. The most important thing is that we learn and we're able to share what God blessed us to understand. That's what makes the world go to a better place, and uh, quite nicely, God knows best. So the Holy Quran, <clears throat> and uh, the Holy Quran is, we went through a lot of information, I think maybe we'll talk a little more before we conclude on this topic, maybe, you know, next week, uh, inshallah, God willing, if it be his will. <laughs> In the Holy Quran, is the first chapter or surah, is called Al-Fatiha, 
Al-Fatiha, and Al-Fatiha is interpreted in English as Fatiha, as uh, the opening. It's like to to open something. Uh, It's not just the actual practice of opening the Quran or opening the pages of the Quran. But Surah Al-Fatiha gives us the kind of information that we need to open up the content of the Holy Quran, Al-Fatiha, the opening. And it's called the seven oft-repeated verses. It's seven basic verses, also the the mother of the book, the the essence of the book. And we know that in every seed there's an essence, and in that essence is the content. And uh, it's also called the, the mother, or the umi, al-Katab. And umi is mother, and mother, just by the nature of the word, uh, we know that a mother is a nurturer, nurtures, feeds, feeds society, uh, educates society. And it's also a womb where the essence is stored, and eventually the womb opens up in the and and that es- developed essence come out into another reality, which is a world of light, starting out in darkness and coming into light. You know, everything that God created started in darkness, and it evolved over periods of time into light. And uh, this is the beauty of God's teaching. And he gives us many examples that we can study. He tells the prophet, he says, say to them, cool, say and he gives us examples, and we look at the example, we study the example in nature and creation, and we're better able to formulate a picture of what Allah is teaching us or telling us or guiding us towards. So by saying that the, the Quran is is a nurturer, a, a mother of the book, then quite naturally our, our mind and our attention go back to the nature of a mother and what is the purpose of a mother, etc., etc., and so many other examples in the Holy Quran. So this is Al-Fatiha. Al-Fatiha starts out with with the name of God, uh, most gracious, most merciful. With the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. And you'll see this uh, reading in basically many of the translations of the Quran, many different translations, but in as an Arabic text, only one Arabic text, many different translations of the Arabic. The Arabic is consistent wherever we are, and it's consistent from its origin, from its beginning, from the time it was revealed to the angel Jibreel, through the angel Jabir, the prophet Muhammad, it's consistent the same words, the same language, etc. So you'll see that in most translations. Our leader, Imam Orfi Muhammad, he translates it in a different way. He says, with God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. So you'll probably hear me say that more than with God's name, with the name of Allah, or with the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. Uh, This first ayat, or the first 
uh, verse of the Holy Quran where we have this salutation with God's name, the merciful benefactor, merciful redeemer, it's, it's the first ayat, the first verse of Al-Fatiha, or the opening. And all of the rest of the surahs of the Quran is a recitation that said before the first verse. It's not included in the verse. This is the only difference here. And in surah or chapter 9, uh, it's not even mentioned. And this surah gives reference to the hypocrite, but it's not even mentioned in the opening of the surah. So those are two unique differences in Surah 9 and also Surah, surah 1, Surah Al-Fatiha. It's included in the uh, seven verses. It's not the uh, salutation above it. And in Surah 9, it's not there at all. So these are just little things to keep in mind. And, you know, it also questions our mind, you know, things that, person can't tell you everything, so the mind questions, it says why, or, you know, a whole lot of different questions we ask ourselves. As a student, we pursue these, and uh, we become seekers of, of knowledge, seekers of truth. And we just don't want any knowledge. We want the true knowledge, the knowledge that only God could give us. <clears throat> and uh, we thank God for that. <clears throat> And as I mentioned earlier, these are called the seven oft-repeated verses. We say them in every prayer that we perform. We say, uh, we call it uh, worship or salat. Every time we say salat, we say in every uh, unit of prayer, we say al-fatiha, or the opening. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a means for maybe for many, many other reasons, but I know it's for a means of us glorifying God by this and also a means of teaching. You know, I remember when we when I was in school, you know, the teacher used to ask the students to write words, you know, on the board, you know, maybe ten times, fifteen times or whatever the case. And quite nicely the more we write the word or the more we say the word, the more we become familiar with it and then it just becomes a part of us over time. You know, I re- recall when we first came into Islam, Imam Muhammad was teaching us, then he often would have us say this aloud because we had new members coming in every week. It wasn't like we were born into Islam and this was a part of our educational system. We were learning it every time that we had an opportunity to recite it. The ones that knew, the other ones heard it. And then they were also encouraged to learn it, or some just learn it by listening. And uh, so these oft-repeated verses is uh, very important. The salutations is normally said silent. <clears throat> we say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, with God's name, the merciful benefactor, merciful redeemer, silent. And then we start the reading by saying, uh, Praise be to God. All the praise, all the praise is due to God. You know, we say praise, we we constantly praise God. That's just a part of what we do. And, you know, we hear, I recall when we went to uh, Hajj 
in Mecca, just constant praising God all over, all over, everywhere we go, during the, the month of Ramadan, uh, giving praise and thanks to God. All the time. We say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Giving constant praise, praise be to God. Uh, uh, glorifying God on and on and on. Why is this important? It's important because it keeps us conscious of our Creator. You know, everything that we see around us was created by God and it keeps us conscious, constantly glorifying God. And sometimes when we forget about these things, then Satan, the spirit of Satan, it's he, he, it easy for him to creep into us, become a part of our spirit. Because if we're not praising God, then quite naturally, Satan slips into the picture. He actually waits for that opportunity. We're not talking about a man standing before us. We're talking about a spirit that's actually in us, waiting for the opportunity to take over. So we constantly praise God. Praise be to Allah. Praise be to God, the cherisher and sustainer of the worlds or all systems of knowledge. And uh, we'll explain that a little better. The praise be to Allah, praise be to God, <clears throat> the cherisher and sustainer. First of all, the cherisher and sustainer, the word for that in, in the uh, recitation on, in, the, in the Arabic language is Rabb. He is Rabb. And Rabb means uh, Lord or creator. He is Rabbil Alameen. He is Rabb of all the worlds, or Lord of all the systems of knowledge. This is another interpretation of Imam Wadi Muhammad, <clears throat> and we'll go into it a little clearer later. But one interpretation is Lord of all the worlds, and his interpretation is Lord of all the systems of knowledge. Same thing. The world is made up of systems, systems of knowledge, meaning that the world is a place of education. And if we can break little parts of it off in our mind and our observations, we can study it as a system. See, a system is consistent. You know, just like systems are parts of our body, you know, respiratory systems. You know, we have air conditioners and ventilation systems and things of that nature that was created from God's creation or his, his respiratory system as just studying it as a system of knowledge. And this is just in the human body. And our mind goes all out into the universe as far as it can go. So everything that God created, man comes along and duplicates God's systems. God's not selfish, he's not stingy, he's, he, he puts it there for the purpose of our intelligence, the intelligence of man, the mind of man, studying his systems of knowledge for the benefit of man, for mankind, and we don't do it for ourselves purposely. When a man invented uh, devices for our comfort, it's for the benefit of us all, and uh, God knows best because God is the creator. Rob means Lord or Creator, and this also means to 
nourish his creation. He nourishes the creation. He creates. He creates the creation, and he nourishes his creation by watching over it and sustaining it until it comes into its excellence. So that we say, praise be to God. We go right back to subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Because our creator don't create us and leave us alone. No, he nourishes us, just like a mother nourishes her baby. Even in the womb. And when the baby's outside of the womb, she still nourishes the, the child. And then she sustains that child until that child comes of age. When it comes of age, then it takes over its own life. <clears throat> and in the the uh, world, the universe that God created, he creates the universe, things in the universe, and he nourishes it, and he watches over it, he sustains it, until it comes into its excellence. And uh, it comes in really the excellence is the fulfillment of its nature. And at one point, the world, the whole universe was in chaos. I mean, if we just happened to have been here and we weren't here, well, maybe we wouldn't have survived. But the sun, the moon, the planets, and everything was just shooting all over the place. And God was watching over it. He was sustaining it. He was nourishing it until it came into its excellence. And then when it came into its excellence, its pattern is so beautiful, universal pattern, that every morning when the sun rises, we can calculate the time, every time for prayer. We can use it, the sun, the moon, for uh, uh, to, to chart our course uh, by, for travel, navigation you know, on the oceans, etc., for many things. And we can predict the weather and the climates and things of that nature. So everything came into its excellence. It's at peace, matter of fact. And this is why when you hear a Muslim say that a tree is Muslim, what is he saying? He said that tree is in submission to its creator, came into its excellence. Same thing with the sun and the moon, animal life, uh, plant life, etc. All Muslim, because God created it, nurtured it, and watched over it until it came into its excellence. God knows best. It's original, completed form that God intended for it when he created it. Well, why didn't he just say, be, and it is? Well, he did say that. Yeah, I know that's a Christian terminology there. Uh, no, it's not even Christian. It's Muslim, too. I think it's kun fire kun in the Arabic, I believe. But what it says is be, and it is. But between be and is, is time. See, this is the part that we leave out, be and it is. So in other words, be, boom, and it is. Seems like magic, but religion of al-Islam is not magic. Actually, it's scientific, and it takes place over time. So God starts it out in darkness or blackness, and he evolves it over a period of time until it reaches its origin or original uh, design that God intended for it in the first place. But why is it necessary for so much time? Well, I can't answer God. God knows best. But 
God gives us a mind and we can think on it and we understand that over a period of time if we watch the growth of a baby or understand the growth of a baby from the sperm to the time that it nine months later and it comes out of the mother's womb into uh, the light of a new world, then we get an education, get a powerful education from the ejaculation of sperm, the sperm traveling and uniting with the egg, and the egg fertilized, being fertilized and going into the tube and lodging itself up against the wall and staying in that womb for nine months and developing bone and flesh and skin and veins and heart and all the rest of these kinds of things. And then a living individual inside of his mother feeding off of his mother in a sack of water. That's powerful, powerful, powerful knowledge if we took the time. And then at the correct time when God sees fit, the opening, just like El Fatiha, the womb, the, the, the mother's body opens up and reveals a creation, the creation of God, the human creation, the opening, the opening of the body and allowing this precious information to come out. That's the Quran, but allowing this precious creation to come out. That's the baby. And uh, we thank God for that. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Allah is Lord or Creator of all the systems of knowledge. Everything Allah created he created it as a system from the from essence to excellence, from from nothing to something. An educational system. What God created, he created for the mind of mankind. In other words, he created the system to benefit the mind and he created the mind to benefit from the system. The system is a set of arrange, arrangement of things so related or connected as to form a unity or organic whole of the system. And actually when we look at it, we can see that the whole universe is connected. Systems is connected by systems, and it's really beautiful because education becomes just that much more simpler to understand. You know, you're able to understand the workings of God's creation and everything in it, because it's a, a set of set of things so related or connected as to form a unity or organic whole or united or organic whole. So when we say that God is one, then everything in the creation of God belongs to his oneness. Systems. And every system, everything in the universe is related and connected, interconnected, interrelated. So everything connects. So when we're looking for information, you know, we make the connections, Right? Because we're looking at a system and we follow the system and that system will take us to a clearer understanding from one step to the next step to the next step. God knows best. A universe, systems connected,
created the systems, one whole, one living whole. That's the universe. And the universe is the whole of what God created, everything. Actually, the word, if we break it down, what it says is uni-verse. It's saying one verse. The whole universe is just one verse with God. He only created one verse. See, we don't divide or separate what God created. Everything belongs to the oneness of God. And that's one thing that we Muslims, our religion, I guess, is Unitarian Christians and Jews and Muslims and others, maybe, that we don't we don't uh, allow the oneness of God to be tampered with because once we do that, then we throw the whole order of the universe out of order. And there are many people who are very wise and knowledgeable who don't give God the credit. They don't teach the order of the universe belonging to the oneness of God, and they do that for the purpose of control because you can't uh, control a man whose mind believes in the oneness of God and he's looking at God's reality as a system. You can't you, you can't do anything with him. But if you can cloud his mind and give him God's creation broken up into many parts, then you can control him. And uh, we ask God to bless us and we ask God to keep us on the straight path. Allah or God introduced himself first as our creator, the Lord. He said, read in the name of thy Lord who created. That was the first revelation that he brought to uh, Prophet Muhammad, to the angel Jibreel. Ikla, read in the name of thy Lord who created. He didn't say he was God. Uh, Prophet Muhammad was, was looking for for probably searching, many prophets searching for God. Probably he didn't know what he was searching for, but it was just something inside of himself that was looking for something that was bigger than himself. And God introduced himself to Prophet Muhammad as the one who created him. Now, remember, when we say Allah or God, then God is the one that we give our worship to. But God introduced himself to Prophet Muhammad as his creator first. And then when he understood the power of God, then quite nasty your knees, just bow. Nobody has to give you any instructions on how to pray. When you see the power of God's creation, you bow. And uh, God most certainly is the best knower. So this introduction as the creator, Rabbil Alameen, he is your Rub. He is your Lord. He is your Creator. Before he introduced himself as Allah, and Allah is the only one that is worthy of worship. We come into that. Prophet Muhammad came into that. He came into that understanding. Uh, Prophet Ibrahim. He was searching for God. He left home. I think he was from Iraq. And he was traveling around. He was looking for God. He, 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 he just had a sense that there was something in existence. In the creation, he was looking first. And when the sun, moon, and stars set, he determined that these things can't be God because they set. 
that was uh, consistent. And then he came into a realization through his rational mind that only that whatever created these things, Rabbil Alameen, had to be God. So he understood the Creator, and he understood that the Creator was the one that he gave his worship to. That's Ibrahim, Prophet Ibrahim, long before Prophet Muhammad and other prophets. He was the father of, of monotheism, or Tawheed, or the belief in the oneness of God. And he came to that by his rational mind, with the power of that great creation that God gave to us as human beings. Tawheed, Rabubiyah, Lord, in his oneness, Lord. He demonstrates that in God, uh, Rabubiyah, his lordship, or the oneness of God in his lordship, Rabubiyah, Uluhiyah. Uluhiyah is the oneness of God in his worship. And Asma Wasifat is the oneness of God in his names and attributes. And all of this is right in Al-Fatiha. In Al-Fatiha, it shows us the Lord, that God is Lord. It shows us that Allah is the only one deserving of worship. You do we worship in thine aid we seek. And it also gives us his names and attributes, Maliki, Yomadi, Malik. It also gives us the chief attribute, which is uh, Al-Rahman and Al-Rahim, which is mercy, the mercy. And it, it's speaking about Tawheed, or the belief in the oneness of God. And it shows us by these three examples, and all of this is contained in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabubiya, Uluhiya, Asma, Lastifat, the Lord, the one we give our worship to, and his beautiful names and attributes. And the reason we say the beautiful names and attributes is this is how we know God, or this is how we know something of God. We don't know God. We'll never know God. We, there's no picture. There's no uh, perception that we have. But he gives us Attributes, actually 99 attributes, many, many more, but 99 attributes for us to ponder, to get a clearer understanding or look for a clearer understanding of what what God is. These names belong to him exclusively. can't wear these names. We can't take these names. You know, sometimes we hear or read where we have young men, they call themselves Rahman or Rahim. Now, we have to, to call ourselves, we can't call it, that name belongs to God, Abdur Rahman, Abdur Rahman. And the name has to be one name, Abdur Rahman. It means the servant of that particular attribute, slave servant. It means slave servant of El Rahman or El Rahim. And uh, that's the way it is because those names belong exclusively to God. You know, when we mention Tawheed, then shirk should automatically come to mind for us, those of us, not any of us, but those of us who have studied over time. And shirk, shirk means 
where we divide God into uh, Illah or God having partners. That shirk is one who associates partners with God. Like when Ibrahim was looking for God in the creation, he didn't see the moon or he did at first. He did at first. He said, oh, this must be God, the sun, the moon, and so he, he saw these objects in the sky, these great lights. He said, well, this must be God. But when it set, he said, no, this can't be God. So in other words, he didn't hold on to it. He was observing it. He was trying to get clearer understanding. But a person who is a mook shirk or one who associates partners with God, committing shirk, then they actually pray to that object. Physical object could be anything. It could be a rock, a tree, it could be the sun, and they're praying to that object for that object to take their prayers to God, to Allah. So, in other words, they have some kind of understanding that there's something greater than the object, but they feel maybe that they're not pure enough. Human life is not pure enough to pray direct to God. So there must be an object that the individual prays to for his prayers to be taken to God. So, no, we don't accept that. We believe that God created the human life, and the human life evolves over time, just like the planets, the universe, etc. God watches over it, he nourishes it, and eventually it will come into its excellence. But man should be constantly in communication with God. That's prayer. Not spooky, not something you have to burn incense and splash oils and all of these different kinds of things. The purpose is to make sure that our heart is pure. And by washing our hands and our mouth and our feet and, you know, the different parts that we perform when we make before we make prayer, it's it's a physical thing, but it's really an indication of the purifying our heart. Being conscious of purity purifies the heart. And when we stand before God with a pure heart, then God answers our prayer. And that's the whole life for human beings because God teaches us in the Quran. He said, never will he change the condition of a people until the people first change the condition of their own heart, meaning that a heart has to come to purity. Once our heart comes to purity, then God breathes his spirit into that soul, and then that individual comes to life. He breathes, he proportions the individual, and he breathes his ruh into the soul of the human person, and that human life comes to life. That's wonderful, wonderful just thinking about it. And when we begin to experience it, quite naturally, it's even more wonderful. To associate partners with Allah, shirk, muksha, Allah cannot be divided, nor his creation. We can't divide his creation. And we know that there are evil geniuses on this planet Earth who have the spirit of Satan constantly working to divide man and creation. You know, it's all of us on this planet Earth, we have a head, we have a body, we have extremities, arms and legs. We can walk, we can talk, we can smell, our senses, all of these senses 
are turned on. And they're so true that they have convinced the human population that one man is better than another man because of his color. It's ridiculous. It just doesn't even make sense. So when we see the world today, we see the world of racism is what one of the most damaging, damaging uh, institutions that was established by Satan to keep man away from God. Racism, where one man feels, and some people, there's people who feel superior, but believe me, there are many people on this planet Earth. I'm an African-American, and I know I was, grew up in Jim Crow time. 50s, 40, I was born, 41, 50s and early 60s, and still today in 2012, there are people, African-American people plus others, who feel themselves inferior to people who may be Caucasian or white in color. That's why the damaging effects of Satan, uh, giving a... a or selling the world the idea of race as being important. No, we are one human family. You can't divide God's human family. You can't divide anything that God created. Everything is related and connected. Everything. So, you know, don't trouble your mind. Don't hurt yourself. And you will, believe me, you will trying to divide God's creation. So Mukshuk, the people of the time of Prophet Muhammad, they were Mukshuk. They lost the understanding of the oneness of God that Abraham and his son Ishmael brought to Mecca, Arabia, at that time. And they became Mukshuk, or one who practiced shirk, associating partners with God. He is the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. He said, praise be to God, whose chief attribute is mercy. Mercy. You know, a fellow asked me once, he said, and when a man dies, does he burn in hell? And uh, that was taught to the world by the superior forces in the world. And uh, they said that, yes, you burn forever. And uh, many of these tactics was used to possibly scare the hell out of people. But I know Imam Warren Muhammad taught us years ago in the early 70s. He said that God, his attribute, the attribute of al-Rahman al-Rahim, the mercy, merciful benefactor, merciful redeemer, he said the attribute wouldn't allow God to allow a human life to burn in hell forever for committing sin. He said the, the, the picture that is given of hell as a place of fire, not the physical fire, but the place of torment, where an individual is tormented for his sins, he said eventually the fire will purify that individual. And once he's purified, then he moves on into the order that God designed for us as an afterlife. We don't know. We don't know how these things work, but nonetheless, we have faith, and God knows best. So praise be to God whose chief attribute is mercy, al 
being. God is the most merciful of those who show mercy. Mercy is found in all of the children of in all of God's creation. And you know, there are merciful people. People as we talk about Mahatma Gandhi, uh uh Martin Luther King, uh many the the, the nun that I can't recall her name right offhand, beautiful people, very beautiful people. Mercy. But Allah is the most merciful of those who show mercy. You can't outdo God when it comes to mercy. And his mercy holds true. Mercy in this case is merciful giving, merciful redeemer, the merciful giver, the merciful redeemer. Forgiveness for those who seek from his forgiveness and redemption. Our Rahman, the merciful benefactor. That's uh definition or interpretation by Imam Warthi Muhammad. Out of his mercy, God gives to all of his creation to assist in their development towards excellence. Now, you really don't even ask for it. You, know, you don't even, even if you don't ask, you know, like people, the bad people on came on this planet Earth who did some horrifying things the water that God gives to quench the human being's throat or life or his existence, he gives to him too. The air he breathes, the the good food, the, the plants and foods and meats and things of that nature, they have these things. God gives it to them automatically. This is the mercy of God, giving that individual opportunity to change, but nonetheless, while he's making mischief in the land, he still has the benefits. And this attribute of Al-Rahim, two words, Al-Rahman and Rahim, and both of them is given together to uh, explain God's mercy you know, on the level that we can understand it, pulling these two both together. And he calls it the merciful redeemer. You have what you know, I'm interpretation. Al-Rahman, El, excuse me, Al-Rahim, the merciful redeemer. You see, out of his mercy, God redeems you from your sin when and only when you ask for it. Now, God is not going to redeem you if you don't desire to be redeemed. You know, we commit a sin and we keep on committing sins and we never ask God to redeem us, to help us, to guide us. And sometimes we go so far trying to do wrong. I, I believe I read a read something uh, that God would even give you a devil to assist you in your wrong because he gives you free will and he doesn't interfere with your free will. If you desire to do good, God will will help you. Yeah. Call out to God. You say, I'm doing wrong, I'm doing bad. I just can't seem to get my stuff together. Help me. Redeem me. And God will redeem you. Now, that's his attribute. The, the merciful benefactor, merciful redeemer. And if you don't call out, then you go further on to hell. You even assist you in that. The merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. Uh, compassion treatment. 
to be kind and forgiving. Uh, that's what mercy means, uh, merciful, compassionate treatment, to be kind and forgiving. So in other words, if you ever have the opportunity, don't ask for justice. Ask for mercy. <laughs> because if you ask for justice, you finish. Actually, if any of us on this planet Earth uh, ask God for justice, we're finished. This is why we beg Allah for his mercy. God knows best. All the praise is due to Allah, to God, the merciful, the most merciful benefactor, redeemer. So that's dealing a little, a little bit with uh, the mercy of God. This is Surah al-Fatiha. And we, we study Surah al-Fatiha over a long period of time. Seven verses. Seven oft-repeated verses. Not just for recitation's sake, but we recite them for understanding's sake. To understand it. What does it mean? How is this going to help me? I mean, if the God that he sent scripture for the guidance of mankind, to bring him to his excellence. And he said, this is the book in this book. There is no doubt in it. There is no doubt in the word of God. So if there's no doubt in the word of God and it's going to guide us into excellence, then right now he will recite it, but we also have to learn it, learn what it means. And this comes over time. And uh, once we have the right heart and an open mind, then God will guide us on what is called Salatul Mustaqim. And uh, that God, in this verses, fourth of these seven off-repeated verses, is he is the master of the day of judgment. It's called Malik. Malik is king or master. Yom Medin. And Yom Medin is the day of judgment. <clears throat> He's Maliki Yomadin, the day of judgment. And uh, Imam Abu'ati Muhammad again, he said that this day of judgment is the day he has it. He said Yomadin has some kind of relationship to debt, to paying a debt. In other words, God said to uh, Adam, he said, get you down from here. He said, the earth will be your home and your place of trial for a time. And then at the end of that time, there will be a day of judgment, Yom Din. And that day of judgment is the time that we have to pay our debt. He said, if you're in a trial, you know, you're in a trial on earth. How did you do? Did you rob people? Did you steal? Did you rape? Did you murder? He said, you can't get away with that stuff. He said, we think we can because we read the newspaper every day. We see television where people cheat, they lie, they steal, they become rich, they get boats and big cars. They don't care. But this Yom Din is the day of paying your debt. So pay the debt to God. God created you. He put you on earth for a trial, and he put us here to evolve into excellence. And then look at mankind on this earth deteriorating to below the level of a human being to the level of an animal, raping, 
raping women, right? Raping women, having homosexual relationships, drinking and poisoning their bodies with alcohol and drugs and things of that nature. You have to pay your debt. God didn't put us here for that purpose. He put us here to evolve to an excellence. And if you fail, if you if you evolve, how did he lost? And we call it paradise. You go to paradise. If you fail, you go to hell. And hell is a place of torment. Now just imagine becoming conscious of all that you did on earth during your place time of trial. You have to you become conscious of that. You have to pay for that. And you will torment God won't torment you. Your deeds and actions will torment you. Will torment you just like burning in a fly fire. And when one skin is burnt off, then God will put another skin on and another skin on and another skin on. It burn and burn and burn. How long do you stay in the fire? Well, I guess it depends on what kind of life you live. And the time of God, you say, well, it be a week or a day? No, it might be a trillion years. You know, God, there's no time uh, regulation with God. You might, it might be a billion years, a trillion years. We don't know. Only God knows. And uh, God is the best knower. So Malik means the king, just like a king sitting on his throne of authority. And we know that God is not a king, but how do we perceive him as Malik if we're not given him as a king? The kings of England, the kings of Saudi Arabia, and those people who walk around as if they are a king, <laughs> sitting on a throne, ruling over the people. The only king is God. God doesn't reign or rule over people in that respect. God nurtures the life of people, bringing them to the excellence that he desires. God is the king, the only king, the complete authority in the heavens and on earth. Malik also means master. You know, not like, you know, especially for us, say that to some of us here in the United States of America, especially African-American people, that word master has a very negative effect on us because, you know, we had a, just recently, had a slave master that stood over us for 400 years, you know, and still trying to stand over us. Just thank God that we have the Malik, the real Malik on scene, that we have a perception of that, still trying to dominate our life, you know. But if we see this Malik as a master, like a school teacher, an instructor, uh, on a on the highest degree, he's a master. And I know in England, different places they call him a school, a master. You see, masters, master's degree, where people acquire a certain kind of knowledge. But God's mastery just consumes everything else. That's the kind of master that God is. God is a merciful master who nurtures his creation before he before uh, he passes judgment. Now, we've got to pay a debt, but look at God. The, the creation is going off course. It's going crazy, out of form, just like that universe. It's 
and everything that was just just flying through the earth, no control, no pattern, no excellence, and eventually he brought it into uh, calm over a period of time, and he put it in order, put these things in order. This is what's happening to uh, us right now. He's nurturing a human life, created. Uh, he's nurturing the human life before he passes judgment. And he's not giving up because sometimes we see people, he say, well, that person should go to hell. But it's not the time. It's not the day of paying the debt. And when the day of paying the debt, then you might be on your way to hell. So that's, therefore, we better be very careful in our state. You know, we have a, only a few minutes, and, you know, we have a lot of a lot of information here, but we just take our time, and as long as it takes, as far as weeks is concerned, then we'll just deal with that, and when we conclude, we'll start a new topic. Uh, he is the master, and man's world means, master in man's world means one who has power and control and authority over over others, over his subjects. Never give ourselves to that. You know, work hard to get away from that. You know, no man is greater than another man, only in his deeds and his actions. It also means a master of education, a master in a school, a headmaster, or one who has mastered a certain feat. Just like he's a person who climbs a mountain. They call him, he mastered the mountain. To the highest degree, a master's degree, a master in black belt, you know, fourth degree, I believe, whatever degree that is, he, he earned that. He's a master of that specific thing. But God is the master of all the worlds, all the systems of knowledge. This is Allah. God is the master, not a master, the master of all the systems of knowledge he created. Praise be to Allah. Praise be to God. God is the master of forgiveness, and he is the master of justice. So keep these things in mind. Very important. Mercy is when God forgives you even though you may not have earned it. Justice is when God reviews right and wrong. Always seek the mercy of God. You're weighing up your right and wrong. And if you're one outweigh the others, that's the way you go. But with mercy, God forgives you for your wrong. You know, when you go to court, our young men, we have so many young men, especially African-American men, maybe in the United States of America, over a million young or old African-American men, half of the prison population, I believe, is African-American. Unbelievable. And this is a judge giving out justice. He's weighing no forgiveness here, no mercy. And he's giving out justice, and he's sending young men to jail for the rest of their No uh, correction, no treatment for drugs, things of that nature, on a limited level. 
But that should be the whole purpose, treatment, you know, incarceration. Uh, if it all fails, then incarceration. But the whole purpose for people on drugs and alcohol and things of that nature should be correction, uh, programs, medication, things of that nature, working on that individual to put him back in the life's flow. God is the merciful master of the day of judgment, Yom Din is the day of judgment, or the day of religion, or mankind's way of life. The day when man will be called to account for their selves, the day of religion, the day of accountability, the day that the debt must be paid. And uh, I think we're going to conclude right here. We only have a few more minutes left. And next week when we come back, we'll start on this particular point, uh, Maliki Omadine, or Master of the Day of Judgment, and uh, we'll start on. And uh, I just want to say also that we thank you for being with us uh, this evening, and uh, we pray a lot bless us to continue on. And many great programs by Muslims and Christians also I was scanning through the uh, uh, directory and many, many great programs. And if we have the time, we should take time to sit down and listen. And when we listen, you know, take notes because, you know, we don't know everything. I have a lot of notes from reading when I read or study Imam Warthi Muhammad. When I listen to lectures of Juma prayer, I, I put an idea or concept down and I, I go back and I I work with it. Well, you'd be so much. You'd be surprised how much information you get out of these things. You figure people's not saying anything, but they're saying a whole lot. And the reason for that, if they're speaking the truth, then the truth is related and connected, interrelated, interconnected. So it takes you from one system to another system to another system to another system to another system. And then sometimes we stand up and we talk. We feel hopeful. Boy, 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 this guy, he must have been, he must have got a master's degree <laughs> to come to find out whether he went no further than his little office, his desk, or wherever he may be. But he applied the ability that God gave him, the, the, the mind, to the power, the power of his mind, the intellect. The law says that he created, the best thing that he created was intelligence. And then somebody came along later and said, that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. So thank you for being with us this evening, and may God bless you and your family, and we'll be looking forward to being with you next week. Peace be upon you all. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you all. Peace.